uh, looking this morning uh, at Ezra 4, 5, and the first half of 6, and then next week, uh, six, chapter 6 will be finished off. Um, but we're going to read the first uh, five verses of chapter 4, and that's going to kind of set us up for this morning. So uh, let me read those to you. Let me just move this so it doesn't fall down. Okay. Now, when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building a temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of the fathers' houses and said to them, Let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do, and we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days of... I did look up how to pronounce this one, but it's completely dripped out of my brain. Since the days of the king of Assyria, who brought us here, but Zerubbabel, Jeshua... And the rest of the heads of the fathers' houses in Israel said to them, You have nothing to do with us in building a house to our God, but we alone will build to the Lord, the God of Israel, as King Cyrus, the king of Persia, has commanded us. Then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to to build and bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purpose all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia." Okay, these first five verses kind of give us a bit of a summary, really, of the, of the next two chapters. They kind of, uh, yeah, summarize it. They give us a sort of an overview of what's going on, which is basically opposition begins to come. The people of God, they've, they've been commissioned to go back to the land, to rebuild the temple. They go back, they start it, they make a good start. They, they you know, after a little bit of a delay, they kind of get settled in, they rebuild the the altar, they reinstigate their, their sort of pattern of worship, their lifestyle of worship. It's not just we're gathering together on occasion. Actually, this is, invades our whole life. It pervades our whole life. Everything is built around worshipping God. And then the people that had been living in the land who were exiles from elsewhere that were brought in come and say, well, can we build with you? Because, you know, we've been worshipping the same God. And they say, no, we're going to do this. This is that God has asked us to do and we're going to do it and so the people that say to them can we build with you the people who've been living in the land start to oppose them cause problems for them try and disrupt the building process now in these uh, in the chapters coming up I suppose this is would be a, a summary of it if we can Skip on, uh, skip on again. Yeah, maybe I should have the clicker. Um, there should be a summary. Cheers, Jeff. Sorry, mate. <laughs> okay, so here's a summary, basically, of what happens in these, these chapters. So chapter four, there's an initial approach, and then intimidation comes from these people. Then there's this kind of the weird debate about what happens next. Um, because of some of the names of the kings are sort of represented differently. If you're interested, uh, you can look up about Ezra 4 and the, the chronology of it. Some people think there's kind of like a time jump. So whoever's writing Ezra 4 it's, uh, uh, from verse 6 to 23 is actually a story that happens later on, but is a similar story. Um, other people are not sure uh, about that. But what generally what's being communicated is opposition is coming to the people of God. And... Uh, the sort of kind of moral of the story, or what's trying to be communicated through it, is that opposition comes for every generation. 
And so some people think the writer is saying, what's happening to them is like what's happened to us just you know, last year. Remember this story? Well, that's what's going to happen to them as well way back when. So we see a, a commonality, a sort of a regular occurrence that every generation of God's people will face opposition and has to press through it. Um, so there's this initial approach and intimidation. Then there's this possible time jump thing that happens. But an accusing letter is sent and a ban is enforced in response to that letter, a ban on building by the king. Then some prophetic encouragement comes in chapter 5 and the building begins again. Then a, a letter is sent. So it could be this, that could be the first or the second letter, depending on the chronology but go away and look at that yourself. Um, after I got to about point F of which possible option it could be, I thought, I'm not going to try and explain that. You can go and look yourself. We've got a short amount of time this morning. Then in the beginning of chapter 6, the response to that letter is had from Darius and the kingdom of God advances. So there's this opposition begins to happen and there's various modes of how the opposition takes place. And there are these, I think there's three primary ways perhaps that, I, that stood out to me uh, of how the, the types of opposition that, uh, happen. The first is compromise, the second is discouragement, and then the third is direct active opposition. And these are all things that take place and they can take place for us as well. So we're going to look at how they happened in the Bible, in, in this story that we're reading for Zerubbabel and Jeshua and the heads of the, the houses of, of uh, Israel. And then we're going to look at what that means for us and what we can do. Because as I said, and what the point of these passages is that opposition comes for every generation of God's people. We are a generation of God's people. Opposition is going to come for you, come to us. Now when we read these first few verses, as we did a, a, a minute ago, <coughs> it, it seems slightly strange, doesn't it? If someone came to us and said, I've heard about what you're doing and I want to give you a load of money. I want to help you. Can we be involved in what you're doing? We would think, yeah, okay, great. That sounds, that sounds good. Yeah, that, that would be the general response, wouldn't it? Okay, this is what happens in Ezra uh, 4, 1 to 3. Uh, when the adversaries, interesting term to use, of Judah and Benjamin heard that the returned exiles were building the temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached uh, Zerubbabel and the heads of the father's houses and said to them, let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do, and we have been sacrificing to him ever since the days that we were brought here. Interesting story. If you go to 2 Kings 17, you read what happened when they came. So they, these people had been exiled from their land, sent into Jerusalem and Israel and put around. Uh, and what happened is that it was, there was problems in the land and the king of Assyria who'd sent people there, who'd sent them there, said, there's no priest there of Israel to teach them how to worship that God. That's why there's problems. So he sent a priest. So it said this to King 17, send one of the priests whom you carried away from there let him go and dwell there and teach them the law of the God of the land. So one of the Israelite priests whom they carried away from uh, Samaria went and lived in Bethel and taught them how they should fear the Lord. But every nation still made gods of its own, put them in the shrines of the high places that the Samaritans had made, every nation in the cities in which they lived. So they came to them and they said, we worship the same God as you. 
What they didn't say is, but we're also worshipping all of these other gods as well. They were a compromised people. They weren't true to God. If you read 2 Kings 17, the whole chapter is basically the people that are in the land there, these, these exiles that are not you know, the original Jewish nation, but people who've been brought into that land being offered the chance. You can be part of this if you follow God only, if you follow God only. But they refuse. They keep following their own gods. They want to add in Yahweh. They want to add in the Lord as well as their other gods. And so the leaders of the, the exiles, the ones who've returned, they can see what's happening and they can see, actually, we, we've watched you. We've, we've lived here for about two years now. We've observed you. You're not following God how we're following God. And so they don't allow them to come in and compromise. They don't compromise. It would have been helpful to have, have them on board, wouldn't it? Extra manpower, extra person power maybe, extra sort of resource, no difficulties, no sort of trouble with the locals. But they refuse. They don't compromise because they know the people of God, the worship of God must be kept pure. The adversaries that come to them can see the temple being restored is a sign that the land is going to be restored. And their way of life is under threat because they know that actually the God of this place will not tolerate worship of other gods. So we'll either need to actually get on board or we'll be kicked out. Because the leaders were sharp to this, the rubber ball, Jeshua, the other heads of the households were sharp to it and they refused. They said, we won't compromise. Other problems start to happen. The adversaries begin to become adversarial. Adversarial? However you pronounce that. And so they discourage them. They bring discouragement. When those opposing the people of God can't get them to compromise, they try to make them afraid to carry on. Verses 4 uh, and 6 of Ezra 4 say this, Then the people of the land, the adversaries, discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build and bribed counsellors against them to frustrate their purpose. Remember, they've been given sort of the ability to say, well, we want this resource from here and we want this resource from there. And these people start bribing counsellors. Maybe just slow that paperwork up a bit. You know, I, I know of uh, some good friends of, of ours who... They were waiting to get married, but they needed some paperwork done in a different nation. And it was like, they said, unless we can bribe this person, that paperwork is going to sit there until we can say, you know, have you had a chance to look at it? A thousand pounds on the table. Because that's just the way the system works there. It, they bribed the councillors and sort of people to say, actually, let's just slow up that delivery. They tried to frustrate their purpose. They tried to discourage them. They misrepresented. They send a letter to a king and they misrepresent. They say, this is, they're not just rebuilding the temple. These are the rebellious ones. Have a look back in your archives. This is the letter in chapter four. Have a look back in your archives and you'll see what happens when this, these people get going. They cause problems. And they look back in the archives and they say, oh, hang on. This is a nation that once dominated other nations we don't want them to get back up yes stop them building it says this 
at the end of uh, chapter 4, verse 24. Then the work on the house of God that is in Jerusalem stopped, and it ceased until the second uh, year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. However you read the timeline, some opposition came and the building stopped. It was effective. They were discouraged. They said, oh, let's just li leave off for now. Let's, let's give up. I love seeing people encouraged. I like, try, I, I like to encourage people. I think that's maybe a gift that I've got. I maybe don't use it enough. But I love giving encouragement to people. And I always think encouragement is often misunderstood. There's like a spiritual gift of encouragement, and I think we don't necessarily grasp what that means. We sometimes we think it's just saying nice things to people. Actually, it's putting courage into people. It's helping someone to be brave to try and do something. You're afraid to do it? I'll come alongside you and maybe I'll say some nice things to you to make you realize who you are and how good you are and what God's given you and then you can go for it. Or maybe it's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it with you because then if there's two of us doing it, if, we, if it's a mistake, we're in it together. Encourage, put encourage in someone. To discourage someone is taking courage out of them. They were afraid to build. What a change, really. Some people that lived around them came and said, you shouldn't be doing that. And they were discouraged. We love courage in this church. It's one of our values. We love it when people are brave to try stuff. Have a go. You know, when we're sort of in this meeting together or you're in your explore group meeting and you think, oh, I'm not sure if I should pray out loud or not, or have a go. Be courageous. Oh, I'm not sure if that's a word from God. Is it? come and ask say what do you think about this you know and whoever's here will say you know maybe that's just for you or you know share that with your explore group see what they think let's encourage let's be courageous people because when you're courageous other people are courageous too it's infectious that's why everyone loves this guy everyone loves him before Christmas, who'd heard of him? Like, actually had heard of him, like, properly? Andy. You watched all his films, yeah? <laughs> <coughs> you know, you might have heard of his name on the news. Now, everyone knows who he is. Zelensky, the legend. What a guy. He could have left quite easily, couldn't he? He could have said, I'm going to the UN headquarters I'm going to go and do a whistle-stop tour of Europe and drum up some support. No, he said, I'm here. We're here. There's the video. The, what I think the, the moment for me was when he had the video and there's all of his sort of like cronies around him, not like the, they weren't like army people. <laughs> you could see they're all like lawyers and whatever that were the sort of the parliament guys. It's like, we're all staying. And then a nation was galvanized to go, He's staying, I'm staying, and we're gonna we're gonna fight for this. But I'm was it's opposition and it's spiritual warfare. I'm trying to not talk about the Ukraine war too much because I think it's difficult to sort of do justice to it. But when someone is brave and courageous, it enables other people to do the same thing. You can be brave and courageous, just taking one little step and other people will step alongside you. 
in our story, what happens? Zerubbabel and Jeshua, they're feeling discouraged. They're afraid. And God sends prophetic encouragement to them. This is in chapter 5. It says at the beginning of chapter 5, Now the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the son of Iddo, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of God, uh, the God of Israel who was over them. Then Zerubbabel uh, and Joshua, uh, Jeshua, Joshua, uh, began to rebuild the house. I mean, that's quite a little sort of just two sentences, isn't it? You know, there's some names that I missed out there, but some prophecy comes and they think, oh, actually, we will start to build again. That's the power of God speaking, isn't it? And this is what they said. This is from Zechariah and Haggai. Haggai says this. You will, if you have been around church for a while, you'll probably know some of these verses. Uh, this is uh, Zechariah 4, uh, 6 to 10. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. You've probably read that lots of times and thought, who's this Zerubbabel guy? Now you know. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. You ever heard that verse before? Did you know the context that it was in? Now you do. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, the hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hand shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice. Zerubbabel, your hands have laid the foundation. You're going to finish the work as well. What an encouragement. You would be like, okay, well, I better get building then. You know, if I, I'm, I'm going to finish it, maybe I'll finish it tomorrow. And that doesn't quite happen, but... And then Haggai says this, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O... He says Joshua, not Jeshua. Joshua, son of uh, Jehoshadak, the high priest. Be strong, all you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts, according to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. Again, you would like... That would be a motivation to work, wouldn't it? To read those words. I'm with you. Don't be afraid to work. I'm with you. My spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. doesn't matter what they've said. I'm with you. The one who brought you out of Egypt. Do you remember? If you weren't here, I apologize. I'm sort of calling back to Ephesians. If you remember the first couple of weeks when we were talking about Ezra, we said, it's like these verses, they're linking in. They're linking these people in with the people of God who were brought up out of Egypt. Kind of like these hyperlinks. Saying, God's saying, remember I'm the one who brought you out of Egypt. I'm the one who brought you out of exile. I'm with you now. Becoming discouraged happens so easily. I don't know if that's true for you. I, I, I think it is. It, and it happens in little small things, and then it can escalate really quickly. So we need to be cautious about it. We need to be aware of it. When the subtle tactics don't work, when discouragement or... Um, think what I said before <laughs> when discouragement doesn't work when sort of trying to get you to compromise doesn't work then direct opposition begins things like force and power and trying to sort of intimidate in a more direct fashion in Ezra 4 once they've been told that they can stop them it says this they went in haste to the Jews of Jerusalem and by force and power made them to cease the work. 
in chapter five when they're writing a letter to try and stop them. They don't just, the first letter, as, as you read it, says this is what's happening in Jerusalem. You know, they shouldn't be doing this. Check the second letter. They go and they say, what, what's your name? Okay, right, we're sending this letter to the king. What's your name? Okay, yeah, your name's going to be on this letter so everyone will know it's you. You think, oh, hang on, my name's on this now. I worked in a school for a little while. You know, you start writing someone's name on the board when the class is misbehaving. Everyone shuts up very quickly. Ooh, don't want my name to be on the list. I was misbehaving as well, but I don't want my name to be on the list. Just write their name, put a little number next to it. What does that number mean, sir? Keep misbehaving, you'll find out. How many minutes of break you're losing? 25. It's only 15 minutes. You'll be back at lunch. Um, <laughs> I wasn't strict or anything. Um, <laughs> when you have to put your name to something, it's sort of like, oh, hang on. Do I really want my name associated with this? This letter in chapter five massively <laughs> backfires for the adversaries because they say, they've said to us that they, they're allowed to build this because they had some decree from the king. Why don't you check the archives, see if that's true? They check the archives and they see it is true. They have been <laughs> told they're allowed to do it. And so the king responds to that letter and says, not only are they allowed to do it, but actually you should all be helping them. So now all of the tax that should have been coming my way Give it to them and they can use that as extra funds to build. The kingdom of God advances, doesn't it? When opposition comes, and sometimes the more direct the opposition is, actually, the more blessing the people of God see. The sovereign hand of the Lord is working through his people for his purposes, for our good and his glory, whether we see it or not. Some of the songs we sang today were fantastic lyrics, aren't they? When it's dark, I would rest on his unchanging grace. When I, when I just can't really understand what's going on, I'll just lean, I'll, I have to just lean on the grace of God. It's all I've got left. Can't, can't fathom it out, can't work it out, can't logic this problem. I have to lean on God. When we're following the purposes of God, when we're responding to what God has called us to do, whenever the kingdom of God advances, it's not advancing into a vacuum. Someone's desperate to hear the sermon. <laughs> it's not like there's sort of all of this neutral territory in terms of, you know, God's kingdom, there's neutral territory, and then there's like, anti-God's kingdom, the world, if you understand that vernacular, every advance of God's kingdom is into hostile territory. And so there's going to be opposition. We can face opposition in our lives in the forms of offers of compromise, being accepted in social settings, by denying what you believe in some small way. You don't really believe that, do you? Oh, you're not like one of those Christians, though, are you? 
could we maybe just tone it down a little bit? It's not that important that these are the, that's the songbook of compromise. And this can be, why, if I just sort of fudge it a little bit, if I just hedge my bets or if I just don't really own it, then maybe I'll be accepted and I'll be, it'll be, it'll be okay in this scenario. We can get discouraged, can't we? We can let, we can be fearful, we can let past or even current failings intimidate us. I prayed for that person and nothing happened. Well, should I really bother praying again? I prayed for loads of people to be healed and not seen much healing. I was talking to, I'm, tr I'm trying to remember who it was I talk was talking to this week. I was saying, we so often don't like register when prayers are answered. Like we pray about this thing, pray about this thing, pray about this thing. The thing that we've been praying about happens. We go, oh, that's lucky, wasn't it? What a coincidence. This is why, you know, uh, some people are pro and, uh, you know, con for or against writing things down. It's good to write your prayers down and look back and go, oh yeah, I prayed for that and that happened. This morning, I was walking along here and I looked outside and it was all sunny and I thought, do you know what, I'd just love to see Jim Plummer in church today. And I prayed it and lo and behold, about...